You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's go to, uh, let's see, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Why is everybody so quiet this morning? I don't, it, I don't get it. I don't like it. I think a quiet church is a dead church, and we're not a dead church. I mean, God is on the move. At least we have one person not dead, whoever that was. All right, Julie, I should have known. Awesome. Um, yeah, we're kicking off a new series this morning. Um, and some of you are like, what kind of pastor kicks off a new series on Memorial Day weekend when half of your congregation is going to be out of town, and uh, apparently I do, okay, and so I wish I had a good reason for why I did it, I don't know, Uh, but here we are, and we're kicking off a new series, and look around, the people that are typically here that you don't see here, the reason they're not here is probably because they have a lake house, and so you might want to sit by them and get to know them um, whenever they get back, Um, man, I'm glad you're able to be here, I really am excited about this series, a new series that we're kicking off, we are Uh, entitling Roots. If you looked up the definition for Roots, you would see Roots is defined as the basic cause, source, or origin of something. The basic cause, source, or origin of something. And so it's appropriate that we have entitled this series Roots because the whole point of this series over the next six weeks is for you to understand the basic cause of Fellowship Paragold's existence. We want you to understand why we are here. The truth is, we've only planted about two years ago. If you feel new here, guess what? We're all new, okay? Um, just act confident like you belong here, and people think you've been here all along probably. And so um, we planted here two years ago, um, and we planted out of this laughable dream, this vision that God had given and birthed in my heart for the city of Paragold. And so what we want to do is every year we want to come together And we want to talk over several weeks about who we are, about how we grow, and what that means for us practically as we move forward. And here's our hope for this series. Our hope is this, is that you will be able to leave um, uh, six weeks or walk out of here in six weeks and say, um, here's what it means to be a part of Fellowship Bible Church. And not only that, we also want you to be able to communicate our vision to people in the city who are asking the question, why does Fellowship Paragold exist? Why did they plant? And what I want to do for us each week is is I want to answer that question. And it's actually a pretty simple answer um, to that question. I think we can put it on the screen. Do we have that, Ryan? Our vision for why we exist. Um, Let's see if we can find it because I want you to be able to read it. We exist for this reason. So that every man, woman, and child will have a daily encounter with the real Jesus. We exist so that every man, woman, and child will have a daily encounter with the real Jesus. That's a pretty simple vision, but I think it's a pretty profound vision. Um, Just this past Friday night, I was sitting in the Dairy Queen parking lot with BJ uh, and Jason, and up. We had just came back from Shepherd Fold Ministry. Oh, there's the vision. Okay, it's gone again. Um, um, anyways, we had just came back from Shepherd Fold Ministry, and, and, and most of you know BJ's past, and you know a little bit about Jason. BJ actually uh, used to be a leader of a gang, kind of was raised by the penitentiary. Um, Jason used to be a wrestler known as the Intimidator. Um, 
And I'm sitting there with BJ and the Intimidator and the Dairy Queen parking lot on a Friday night, and we're eating ice cream. And I asked him, I said, did you ever think at any point in your life that you'd be sharing ice cream with a pastor on a Friday night? And uh, actually, Jason wanted to order an ice cream cone, which was really weird. I was like, we don't allow that, man. Three dudes hanging out. Anyways, I digress. That has nothing to do with the story. Um, we're sitting in the parking lot, and, and I get information that Rachel, um, every time I call you, I'm just like, raise your hand. Uh, see if I can mention everybody before the sermon's over. Um, Rachel, who is 26 weeks pregnant, many of you know Rachel, got to hear her testimony recently. She's a part of our missional community, is beginning to have contractions. And so um, she's up, at, they admit her into the hospital, which is amazing that y'all's here, by the way, this morning. I wish you give them a round of applause, because she, you, you just got released this morning, didn't you? All right, excellent. Great. Uh, that's commitment, guys. What excuse do you have for not being here? Uh, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and so anyways, um, it's Memorial Day weekend, all right? Cut me some slack. Um, so, so yeah, Rachel is in the hospital, and I go up to see Rachel and pray with her, and, and Chris, her husband, is there. He takes off work, and he's up there with her. It's about 10 o'clock at night, and I decide to leave, and Chris says, hey, I'm going to walk out with you and grab a smoke real quick, and so we go out there, and he just begins to talk to me about his life. Um, just about his past, and I won't go into all the details because I didn't ask him for permission to share the details of his past, but I was so encouraged because um, he, he told me about a night where him and Rachel were at the house and how Rachel said, you know what, like I've looked for satisfaction in so many things, but I'm still empty. Like I'm empty, I'm not satisfied, uh, I, I need a change. She said, I know Brooke, uh, I know Jared somewhat, I've been around this missional community a little bit, I've seen the love they have for one another, and she says, what would you think, Chris, if I tried fellowship paragraph. What do you think if I tried church? And of course, Chris has had a terrible experience with church in his life. And he says, all right, well, if that's for you, cool, but I will never have anything to do with the church again, as long as I live. But if you want to do that, I'll support you. And so she comes and he says to me, he says, Jared, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I don't know a whole lot about fellowship paragraph, but I know this, what God is doing in your church is amazing. And he says, here's why, because I begin to see a difference in my wife's life. And am I going to see the joy on her face and how it was changing her? I couldn't help but say, I want to be a part of that as well. Like, I want to figure out what that is all about. And so here he is now saying, man, I don't have it all figured out, but I am trying to learn who God is, who the real Jesus is. And we're so thankful that Chris is around. But I share that story because here's the deal. When I, when I got home at about 1130 that night, my wife was still awake. And I told her that story. And I said, man, that's the reason we exist. That's why our church is here. Um. I believe that Chris and Rachel represent thousands upon thousands of people in our city. People who are young and old, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, black and white. I think Hispanic, they represent thousands upon thousands of people in our city who have been burnt out from church, who have had terrible experiences and said, if that's what church is, I want nothing to do with it. They represent thousands of people who are looking for joy and satisfaction in anything other than Christ and finding out it does not satisfy them. We have thousands of people in our city right now, this morning, who woke up broken, burnt out, and hopelessly lost. And these are people who are in major need, major need of the good news of Jesus Christ. They need real good news that comes from only the real Jesus. 
And that's where our vision comes from. When we say that we want every man, woman, and child to have a daily encounter with the real Jesus, we're saying we want good news to spread to our entire city. And here's what I'm going to do this morning. I actually was not planning to preach this message. But in light of my conversation on Friday night and last night, the Holy Spirit just would not let me go from this text. Um, I'm actually pushing the sermon I was going to preach today till next week um, that I was going to kick the series off with, uh, with. And I thought that it would be wise for us this morning to just talk about why does our city need the real Jesus? I mean, honestly, why does our city need the real Jesus? And how does he actually bring us good news? See, I believe if you don't believe that real G- the real Jesus can bring good news, we're not going to believe our city needs the real Jesus. Does that make sense? Like if the gospel is just true news to you and it's not good news, you're not going to talk about it. You're not going to care if people meet the real Jesus. And so what I want to do is just look in Acts 13 at two verses. And I want to talk about why the real Jesus is real good news to our city. So look with me, Acts 13. There's a lot of places we could look in the Bible to prove this point, but this is one of my favorite texts in all of the scripture, so this is the one that I wanted to, to use to kind of catapult us into the message this morning. Acts 13, verse 38, Paul says this, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Let me just read that again. Would you ask the Holy Spirit right now to help you believe this text? Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. That'd be a great point to amen, to get excited, to get fired up. I mean, that is... A rich text. How many people in our city do you think, if you ask them, hey, what do you think of when you think of Christianity? How many of them you think would respond by saying, I think of freedom? I would say not many. Not in our city. Because a lot of them have grown up in churches or around a religious context where this Bible is more about rules to be followed than a joy to be found. This Bible is preached in this way. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't cuss. Don't watch rated R movies unless it's the passion of Christ. Uh, don't listen to secular music. Make sure you just listen to K-Love. Right? It's like pretty much, it's like a rule book, and it almost seems like God just doesn't want you to do anything that's fun. That's the way it's preached. And, and so we say, man, that's, that, damn, that's not freedom. That's a restrictive. That is a straitjacket is what that is. Or, or I've heard some preachers that, that use this Bible like it's just a whacking stick that we use to beat people up. And we try to like, you know, like, you need Jesus. And, you know, we hit them over the head. And like, okay, I'll give my life to Jesus. Or stop hitting me with this Bible. <laughs> and we just beat people into submission. Right? Most people, when they think of Christianity, they don't think of freedom. But yet, listen to Paul's words again. By Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything. You want to be freed from something this morning? Maybe something in your past? I mean, uh, what is it that you wish you had never done that maybe you carry guilt over? What is it that you're still struggling with? Maybe a sin that you find yourself enslaved to. What is it that you fear and carry anxiety over? 
What do you need freedom from? By Jesus, through His perfect life and His death and His resurrection, He has accomplished everything we need to be freed from everything that is pulling us down. That's great news. Every one of us is born dead in our sins. We all know something's wrong. We all know something's broken. I talked to Chris about this this past week, and he said as a four-year-old, with what was going on in his family, he looked and said, this is not right. As a four-year-old, he knew something's broken, and he didn't grow up in a church. I mean, it's like, but he knows, like, we know something is not the way it should be. And because of that, every single person in here is longing for restoration. You're longing for satisfaction. You're longing for freedom. That's why we go to lake houses. That's why we do vacations. That's why we work crazy hours so we can buy big houses and all sorts of fun stuff. It's why we do drugs. It's why we, you know, uh, look to entertainment. We're all looking for some sort of freedom, for, for liberation. And what the Bible reminds us is the only person who can give you the freedom that you're longing for, the only person who can give you the life that you were created to experience is the real Jesus. And that is why our city needs him. Because we have a city in bondage. We have a city that's dark. We have a city that needs to be freed by the light of Christ being shined into their lives. And so here is the deal. I want to just share with you three ways that Jesus brings good news to all of life. I want to share with you three ways that Jesus frees us up in all of life. Here's the deal. Jesus brings freedom to us, to our past. He brings freedom to our present life. And he brings freedom for our future. He, he gives us freedom from our past. He gives us freedom now. And he gives us freedom for the future. Let me explain. How does Jesus, the real Jesus, bring freedom to our past? Here's how. The real Jesus has freed us, talking about Christians, from the penalty of sin for the purpose of being God's beloved children. The real Jesus has freed us from the penalty of sin for the purpose of being God's beloved children. I have had the hardest time in the world remembering that the speed limit has dropped at the New Tech High School. It was 55 for a while, now it's 45, and I keep forgetting. You're like, Jared, the school's been there for two and a half, three years, whatever it is. You should know by now. Okay, I don't. And so... What happened about three months ago was I was pulled over for the second time in a year for speeding. And for the second time in a year, I didn't get a ticket. And do you know why I didn't get a ticket? Yeah, because of my brother. Because the police officers, and many of them in town, work out at his gym. And so whenever they pull me over and they ask for my license, I'm like, please no, Grant, please no, Grant, please no, Grant. And I hand it to him, and he's like, oh, you're Grant's brother. Oh, here's your thing. Some of you are like... I'm so mad at you right now, dude. Like, it's scandalous, isn't it? But it's a picture of the gospel. It is. It's a picture of the gospel because what happens? I am busted. I, I have broke the law. I deserve to pay a penalty. Do I not? I deserve to pay it. But I'm freed based off of who I know. And that's exactly what Paul is getting at when he says in verse 38, Let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. You're guilty. You need to pay a penalty. And the penalty is death because of your sin. But if you know Jesus, you can be freed from paying that penalty. It's incredible. What a bold proclamation. 
Notice Paul doesn't say, hey, the forgiveness of sins, that's negotiable. No, he says, through this man, the forgiveness of sins is available to everyone who believes. We need to be reminded of that truth day after day after day. We need to be reminded that if we are in Christ, we are 100% justified, forgiven, and accepted before God. And it has nothing to do with our work, but everything to do with Christ's work on our behalf. Paragold needs to hear this message. This is a message worth talking about. It's worth it because the gospel does not say, hey, primarily, hey, here's what you need to do for God. No, the gospel says primarily, here's what God has done for you in Christ. You're not, when you share the gospel, you're not trying to tell people, hey, do this, do that, be like me. You're saying, no, 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 look what Jesus has already done for you. Just look at it. Look what he's done for me. I just want to share that with you. The gospel is not primarily walking around saying, hey, here's why you're a failure. And just look how big of a failure you are. No, the gospel saying primarily, look how faithful Jesus is on your behalf. That's why the gospel is worth sharing. Because through Jesus' faithfulness, he has come and freed us from the penalty of sin for the purpose of now being God's beloved children. Does that excite you at all? The fact that you are a child of the creator of the universe and a beloved child at that. Hebrews 10.14 says, By one sacrifice you now look perfect in the eyes of God. Because when he sees you, think about this right now, no matter what you've done this week or haven't done, right now where you sit, you look perfect in the eyes of God because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. And what is true of Christ is now true of you if you are clothed in his righteousness. That means that God loves you no matter what you've done, no matter how big of a failure you think you are, he loves you with the same love that he loves his own son, Jesus. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, if you have kids, it should really amaze you. Uh, my son, and I love both of my kids, but my son right now, uh, Wyatt, he's trying to learn how to walk. And, and he has little bitty short legs and like a really long body. And so he just like, like folds over like a jackknife. I mean, he just like, he can't, he can't do it. And, and, and I'm trying to help him walk. And he takes a step and he falls. And I try to pick him back up and he takes a step and he falls. And you know what? Every time he falls, I don't sit there and go, God, what a failure. What an idiot. God, why can't you walk? No, I love my son. I delight in my son. I, I do. I, I, I'm crazy about him. Why? Because he's my son. And I hope you feel that. I hope the Holy Spirit has helped you feel that adoption as a son, as a daughter of God who looks at you right now and says, you know what? Yeah, you failed. Yes, you have fallen, but I'm crazy about you. I'm crazy about you. I love you because you are my child. This is one way that Jesus frees us. No matter what you've done in the past, you are forgiven and you are dearly loved. We have been freed from the penalty of sin for the purpose of being God's beloved children. Secondly, Jesus not only frees us from our past, but he frees us in the present. How does he free us in the present? The real Jesus continues to free us from the power of sin for the purpose of good works. Good news. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't have to walk in bondage anymore. You don't have to be chained to certain addictions and sins that have been driving you into the ground. That's what the gospel says. Romans 6, verse 6 and 7 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Amen? 
We should no longer be slaves of sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And how are we set free? Paul goes on to tell us in Romans chapter 8, verse 10. If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through who his spirit dwells in you. Isn't it amazing to know that right now, not only has Jesus freed you from the penalty of sin, but he has freed you from the power of sin. And how does he do that? He gives you the same spirit that raised him from the dead. You, as weak as you feel, have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in you. Do you know what that means? No matter how dark the world is, no matter how scary it is, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. There is nothing that can crush you. There is nothing that can stop you when you walk filled with the Holy Spirit. God does not save you and say, good luck out there. Hope you can live this life that I've called you to in your own power. No, God saves you by his power and he sanctifies you by his power. It is all his work. He gives us everything that we need to live the life that we've been called to live by giving us his Holy Spirit. You are being freed from the power of sin for the purpose of the good works God has created you to walk in. And third, here's how the real Jesus brings good news, not only to our past, not only to our present, but also to our future. The real Jesus, isn't this great news, he will ultimately free us from the presence of sin for the purpose of eternal joy with God. The real Jesus, because of his work, one day we will be freed from the presence of sin for the purpose of eternal joy with God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Basically, translation, Peter says, Christian, your salvation's secured. Your salvation's secured. He who began a good work in you is going to complete it. The victory is sure. And in the end, guess what? We all win. We all reign victoriously with Christ. Do you see what the real Jesus does? He takes you from focusing on your past. And he says, stop focusing on your past and living in the past. And let's now focus on your incredibly bright future. How many people need that message in the city? Stop focusing on your failures and your past and what happened to you or what you have done to others or what's been done to you. And let's focus now on Jesus. At the cross, God said, let's change the subject. Let's stop making it so much about what you have done or have not done. And let's make it about what Christ has done for you and the great hope that you now have in him. The gospel is such good news. It tells us that one day we're going to be freed from the presence of sin. Would anybody in here deny the fact that this life is hard? It's hard. You have people who have betrayed you. Some of you have been abused physically and sexually. Loved ones who have cancer. People who have died early. There's sickness. 
There's sorrow. There's pain. And guess what? One day, Christ is going to do away with all of that. It's going to be done with. We're going to be freed from the presence of sin. And it's just going to be us enjoying God and the overflow of His perfections for eternity. How would it change your life if you really believed that today? How would it change your life if you really believed that your future, no matter what you're facing right now, is incredibly bright? The best is not behind you. Your best years are ahead of you if you're in Christ. A couple weeks ago, I'm at Restore, and we're feeding people in the city. And a fight breaks out in the parking lot. I'm down there with BJ and the Intimidator. Um, No, not you. You weren't there, were you? Yeah, Michael. That's who it was, Michael. BJ, Michael, and then Leonard. Y'all don't know Leonard, but everyone should know Leonard. And um, this fight breaks out between a husband and a wife. They're yelling at each other. They're pushing. They're shoving. She begins to yell. Somebody call the police. And so I run over there, and I get there first. And then BJ is behind me, not in front of me. He's behind me. (laughs) Just saying. Leader of a gang, leader of a church. Who do you want to be with, guys? All right? Your fearless leader is in front of BJ. And because, yeah, because, yeah, this is my story, okay? I got the mic. <laughs> and so, uh, because I'm 170 pounds, I typically don't result to physical violence first. And so I begin to try to talk this guy down. I just walk like, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Just trying to see if I can get you know, change, you know, get him to talk to me. And he's still like grabbing his wife's arm, like, come on, get in the van, we're going. And I'm just like, whoa, easy, but just calm down, everybody, calm down. And about that time, Leonard, who is an ex-Vietnam vet, we believe, um, <laughs> that's what he says. He's a, uh, I, I don't know, he's probably 70 years old. I'm gonna guess 65 years old. Probably not in the best shape of his life, and I'm not. That's not a knock towards him. I'm just saying he's probably not. Um, but this dude comes around like the stinking Terminator. Like he comes around me, and I'm, I'm not making this up, am I? He comes around me. This guy, this like this young buck who's uh, probably I say in his late twenties. He's like you know getting all uh, you know hostile and all stuff. And, and and Leonard comes around and just puts his chest up against him and says, "Come on, we're leaving. We're leaving." And this guy's like, "Oh man, what are you doing?" And he's like, come on, we're going to the van right now. He just pushes him all the way to the van, doesn't he? Gets him in the van, shuts the door, and says, see you later. And the guy drove off. (laughs) If I would have known it was going to end that way, I would have done that. Because then I could have been the hero. Yeah. But I was, honestly, I was fearful because I was already thinking, well, how's this going to play out if I start laying hands on this guy or trying to chest bump him? If I would have known it was going to end that way, I would have done that. And I think, listen, here's the deal. That really is a picture of how the Christian life should be. We often live with so much fear and so much anxiety as if we have no idea how this is going to end. Guys, we know how it's going to end. We win. When we believe that, can we not live with courage? The real Jesus, what he does for us is he frees us from worry today, fear today, and he fills us with joy and optimism as we focus on the promised future for all those who are now in Christ. Isn't that excellent? This is why our city needs the real Jesus. 
This is why Fellowship Paragold exists. We need the real Jesus because people in our city need true freedom. They are in need of good news. They are in need of being freed from the penalty of sin for the purpose of being God's beloved children. They need to be freed from the power of sin in their life for the purpose of living the life they were created for now. And they need ultimately to be freed from the presence of sin for the purpose of enjoying God forever in heaven. If you were here this morning, maybe some of you, maybe some of you don't know the real Jesus. And I'm so glad you're here. I hope you don't walk out of here in bondage. I hope you walk out of here in freedom. And it comes from knowing the real Jesus. It doesn't come from you working your way to him. It comes from realizing he's worked his way to you and he's accomplished everything you need for salvation. For those of you that are Christians who do know the real Jesus, in just a moment we're going to partake of communion. And as you come and you worship through communion, as you take the bread and you dip it in the juice, I want you to be reminded that these are symbols of freedom in your life. Freedom of guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from all your weaknesses and failures and everything else that the world has said makes you a loser. No, Jesus has accomplished everything that you need for righteousness, for freedom and experience of life that he's created you to experience. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing another song and worship Jesus through song. And then we're going to partake of communion. But before we all shuffle around, before we just let this moment escape us, let's not be hearers of the word, let's be doers of the word. And I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes and just to meditate on this moment. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you this morning. If he has not already spoken to you, he doesn't want you to leave here without having your life transformed. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Would you just... Would you just do this? I was reminded this past week of Mark chapter 9 where Jesus comes to a man and his son is sick and, and he says, I can heal your son if you believe. And the man in Mark 9 responds by saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe some of you in here this morning, you believe what I said with your head, but you don't fully believe it with your heart. Would you just pray that prayer I believe the gospel, but help my unbelief. Help me to believe more that, Jesus, you freed me from my past. Help me to believe more that you are freeing me from my addictions. You're freeing me from sin in my life. You're freeing me from the power that sin has had on me. Ask the Spirit, help me believe that you will ultimately free me from the presence of sin. That no matter how dark no matter how bad, no matter how rough things get here on earth, my future is incredibly bright. Jesus, we thank you so much for everything you've done for us. You're amazing. Thank you for saving me as a 20-year-old. Thank you for breaking into my life and freeing me from worshiping the creation over the Creator and living a life that was enslaving me and keeping me from experience everything that you've called me to experience and created me for. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here this morning that you will help them to believe more of the gospel. I pray that everyone here floats out with real joy that comes from knowing you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.